All right, fans, stay tuned. More exciting World Wrestling Federation action coming up in just a moment or two. It was a tremendous year in 1985, but here we are in 1986 as we look forward to another great one from the World Wrestling Federation. And, of course, the fact that once again the fabulous Mola is indeed the ladies' champion. Come on in, if you would. From Columbia, South Carolina, the fabulous Mula, once again, you wear the coveted ladies' championship belt. Our congratulations. That's right. That's where it is, and that's where it belongs, right around my waist. I think we're talking somewhere in the neighborhood of 27-plus years, and that itself is something you must be congratulated on. That's right. Thank you very much. You've seen perhaps the very best in professional wrestling over nearly three decades. And, uh, of course, challengers right now are going to be camping out at your door because you've got the gold, you've got the prestige, and, of course the monetary compensation that comes with being the ladies' champion. That's right, and the more they come, the harder they're going to fall, because I'm ready for any of them that comes. I can't help but believe that money has been a motivating factor, uh, Mula, just, just by the fact that I can see on your, your eyeglasses you've got dollar signs running that's through right. the... That's right, money, that's what Mula means, money. Lots mula, Mula, Mula. Lots of Mula. That's right, I love it. All right, if we can specifically talk about challengers now, I know there's a number of great lady wrestlers that are up and coming here in the World Wrestling Federation that certainly are going to be challenging you for the title. Well, I certainly hope so. I beat them all so far, including Wendy Richter again. And the more they come, the merrier it is for me. I've never turned down a championship match, and I don't intend to. Well, I, I don't know about that. Well, I don't like to take exception. I don't want to, I don't want to say anything. But I, I believe you've backed off in a couple of matches. I haven't backed off from anybody, well, not even you, Is my information wrong? What are you saying? Your information is wrong. It's just a lie as far as I'm concerned. Well, I'll, I well, haven't you backed me off. A liar? Yes, I, don't I am. Lie. I haven't backed off from anybody. Right I haven't Hey everyone! What? Welcome back to an all new episode of Wrestling with Respect. We're finally back after what feels like to be an absolute eternity. An eternity. What's up, Jenny? Nothing, Maddie boy. What's up with you? Nothing. Uh, we've been on little busy bees around here the last month or so. Uh, so we do apologize to you listeners uh, for being away, but now we are back. We know you missed us. And we know you missed us. Mm -hmm. We're back, and boy, are we tackling a doozy today. That's right. That's right. Today, we're going to be talking about someone who is the true definition of a double-edged sword. A woman who is raised to the highest pedestal by her peers, and also a woman whose legacy has come under extreme criticism over the past few years. Indeed, Jen. And that woman is none other than the one and only fabulous moolah. A woman who, for the better part of four-plus decades, was really the face of women's wrestling and had quite the stranglehold over it for that period oh, of time. Oh, I see what you did if, there. If, uh, you know, not to give too much away about what we're going to be talking about, uh, but we'll get into that. Mm -hmm. But first, as we said, we've been away from the microphone for quite some time. Yes. A uh, lot's been going on in wrestling. Yeah, so what's... Needless to say. Yeah. Go ahead. You want to start Yeah, so, that? I mean, we have... I mean, I guess we should start... Uh, this being a, a woman-centric wrestling podcast that we do. That's right. We will say that the WWE has finally broken down the barrier and, and had the first women's wrestling match in Saudi Arabia. As we know, that uh, partnership has been kind of controversial. With Very controversial. With a lot of wrestlers 
a lot of wrestlers, mm-hmm. number one, not able to perform there because of their heritage, their background, and because the women aren't allowed to perform there because of the socioeconomic system that they have there, which, um, you know, to people in this country might seem very far-fetched, but unfortunately it's reality yep. over there. Uh, but we had the first women's match there between Natalia and Lacey Evans. And it was pretty emotional watching that. It was very emotional. And in fact, Matthew and our son and I, we were in New Jersey for a little bit visiting some family up north. And um, we were watching it on his fo- on Matthew's phone uh, at his brother's house. And I was sitting there watching the show and the kids are all playing. I'm trying to not cry. I'm just choking back tears because, man, what an emotional moment. It was awesome. And when the match was over, um, they zeroed in on all like the, the little girls and the women there looking at them cheering, like so excited and just, oh man, that was it was awesome. Yeah, and the wrestlers embraced in the middle of the ring and mm-hmm. started crying and yep. you know, huge standing ovation for them. So uh, despite all the negative feedback, I guess you can say that progress, the WWE is trying to spearhead the progress yeah. over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it sticks or whether it works, there were some uh, different stories that were circulating that um, yeah. WWE didn't promote the match, that they didn't tell the Saudis that they were doing the match. They just put them on, mm-hmm. which caused some controversy. But either way, it happened, and mm-hmm. it's it's huge. Um, for something that I think at least you can attest to this a little bit more, mm-hmm. uh, people in this country kind of take for granted. Oh, absolutely. They see, they see what other countries are still dealing with in terms of equality and everything mm-hmm. like that. So huge breakthrough. Really cool to um, see. What else do we have going on? We have the Wednesday Night Wars and full-fledged. Oh, yeah. Um, it hasn't really been much of a war as far as the ratings no. <laughs> go. Uh, AEW has beaten NXT, I believe, Um the first five weeks, six weeks, yeah. all the gap is closing. Yeah, let, I don't want to take anything away from NXT because NXT is just like freaking killing it. Uh, as far as the as far as the quality of show goes, I would say they're both equal. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the, as far as the wrestling quality goes, they're both equal. Um, but AEW's just beating them. So yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it is what it is. And uh, as fans, we are the ones that win at the end of the day. For real, we're getting fantastic. Uh, four hours of fantastic wrestling every Wednesday, right mm-hmm. in the middle of our work week. So yeah, I just I love I love the dynamic with NXT. I mean, for those of you who follow Matt and I on Instagram, we went to an NXT house show up in um, Palm Beach a few weeks ago, and the crowd was awesome. It's it's like your own personal wrestling show when you see it, and, and it's very um, interactive with mm-hmm. with uh, with the performers and and the audience. And not for anything, but I did get the eye from uh, my boyfriend, Prizango. Oh, Fandango? Fandango. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, we hey, made eyes. We made Google you eyes. You were in his line of sight. It's hey, fine. That's all right. Fine. <laughs> I digress. I guess you'll take what you can get. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was a good time. It was very interactive with the audience. Yeah. Very personable, uh, small crowd. And uh, you could tell that they enjoy it, too. Yeah, they do. So, which is kind of cool. Uh, so we just had AEW Full Gear pay-per-view finish up on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, while we didn't watch the whole thing, we did get to see the Moxley-Omega non-sanctioned oh. match. Well, by see, he means peeking through our, like, closed hands because it was just brutal nah, to I, watch. I love that shit, man. I mean, <laughs> some people could say it's over the No, top. it was awesome, but it yeah. was, oh, man. Or cheesy, a... but I think it is what it is. Barbed wires? That was Yeah. Nuts. I mean, people are begging to get away from the PG-ness of 
WWE. And when you think about WWE, what's the most extreme thing they do? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, a kendo stick. Right? Yeah, basically. Yeah, so, or a chair. Uh, I think, you, you gotta think, like, don't you think the mouse traps was a little funny? Like, I don't think that was cool. I think that was, like, it reminded me of, like, Tom and Jerry. Yeah, it was like, well, like, <laughs> Every yeah. time they walked, they would snap. I don't know. I thought that was Yeah, funny. and he's, like, flailing around on the bed of mouse traps so that every single one goes off. Yeah. You hear the snap, snap, snap. <laughs> but, I mean, the barbed wire was cool. The glass was cool. You know, all the other stuff was... It was pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Um, could certainly be up there for Match of the Year, although it's clearly not a classic wrestling match. It but, was cool, uh, It though. was awesome. It was really cool. Wait, uh, can we talk about something that we that happened that we never thought would happen? We all knew it should, but we didn't think it would. What's that? The Bailey heel turn. Oh, the Bailey heel. Did, did we talk? Didn't we touch on that last time? No, I think Briefly. last time an, um. Oh, she didn't do the whole transformation. Yeah, it yet. wasn't okay. a full. Now she chopped off her hair. Yeah, she slaughtered the Bailey buddy. She's got new entrance music. Yeah, so what? She, what she should have done, she finally did. So mm-hmm. that's good. She's got a it's new good. attitude. It's good. Yeah. Now until it's still tough to kind of look at her as a heel mm-hmm. because she still has kind of the same mannerisms of when she where she talks, and I feel like she'll always be that like cute girl next door look Mm -hmm. so i think she still has to kind of fully embrace her heelness Mm -hmm. but other than that um so far so good yeah right on and let's see what they do with her yeah so and we got survivor series coming up in a couple weeks so so for the first time we have raw versus smackdown versus nxt so we'll see worlds Uh, are colliding and hopefully they don't fuck it up Mm. so we'll see what happens you think Vince will uh, let NXT take the win? Because you know that they should. There's a far more superior talent. In an ideal, in, my in an ideal world, they should run the table. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's gonna happen. No. I don't think it's gonna happen. Damn. Um, you know, Triple H is like, come on, Vince. I don't see Shayna winning the match against either <sighs> Bailey or Becky. Um, yeah. Which I don't know. If you wanna, if you wanna legitimize what you have on Wednesday nights with NXT, I think that they should. At least get the majority of victories in Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to happen, but you know, crazier things have happened. But usually, crazy things in the opposite direction, not something the fans want. So the fans definitely want NXT to be winning those matches. So very, we'll very exciting. Very exciting. We will see. Yields. All right. So without further ado, and there's a lot of information to kind of sort through and peel away here. So yeah. let's start. Talking about the fabulous Moolah. So, the woman we know as the fabulous Moolah was actually born Mary Lillian Ellison in 1923 in South Carolina. And she grew up in a small town called Tukidoo. Tukidoo. I'm going to start yes. calling you my little Tukidoo. So that is my new favorite town name until I come across another one. But, I mean, that's pretty good. That's a good one. Tukidoo, which I believe is close to Columbia, South Carolina. But just... Spitballing there, I have no idea really. Mm-hmm. Um, now get this, she was the youngest of thirteen children, so thirteen kids—that's a busy house. But she was the only daughter in the family, so she had twelve older brothers. No. Oh my god! Can you imagine? I mean, you have I one. have one older brother, yeah. and man, mm-hmm. that was a thing. He was very overprotective when uh, we were growing up. But yeah, that—that's a lot. That's intense. I mean, needless to say. No wonder why it she probably wrestled. shaped her to become the tough woman that she was throughout exactly. her entire life. And in a business where during that time she had to deal with all men, it mm, probably suited true. her very well. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, she also unfortunately lost her mother at the age of eight. 
Uh, and losing a mother that young obviously is tough, and she actually had to take a job on her cousin's cotton farm to help pay the bills. So age of eight, with 12 older brothers, she's going out to work. Um, and it was in the midst of a deep depression uh, following her mom's passing that her father started talk- taking her to wrestling matches mm-hmm. to actually cheer her up, get her in good spirits. She really eventually ended up taking a love to wrestling, but it wasn't until she first saw Mildred Burke wrestle. Mildred Burke being uh, in the 30s was the face of women's wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it started to have a deeper meaning for Moolah after seeing Mildred wrestle. Mm-hmm. So at the age of 14, <laughs> now mind you, 14 Sorry. years old, mm-hmm. okay, uh, this is six years after she started working, she would actually marry Walter Carroll, who was a 21-year-old man, Ugh, and not long, disgusting. and not different time, and not, doesn't, ma- doesn't make it any less I, disgusting. It's true, it's true. And not long after that, they would actually have a daughter together. Uh, and by the age of 15... In 1938, Mula set out to begin her wrestling career. Yeah. Incredible. Um, all of it is just cringe and gross, but... It's cringe and gross, I, but that's... Well, yeah, it is what it is. It's incredible that she did all that before the age of 15. Um, she began her wrestling career at the National Wrestling Alliance, working for Mildred Burke's husband, Billy Wolf, a.k.a. Dickhead. At the time, Wolf is really the only promoter for women's wrestling, and he was also a major douche. Allegedly, yeah. He was a big douche. His reputation precedes him. Um, Wolf gained notoriety for pressuring his female talent to have sexual relations with him in return for additional booking, which, of course, would lead to more money. Blah. Mula did not abide by this, uh, but soon she began a relationship with fellow wrestler Johnny Long. By the early 1950s, Mula was working as a valet for the original Nate Jabbar, Buddy Rogers. Yes, the original major. Yes, yes. It didn't last long, however, as Mula broke off this working partnership because Rogers kept trying to pressure Mula into starting a real-life sexual relationship. By 1955, Mula had had enough of that shit and began working for Vince McMahon Sr. Yeah, the 50s, huh? Imagine having enough of someone's shit so you work for a McMahon. <laughs> well, at the time. <laughs> I know. I'm just you saying. Know. But, uh, well, different, different era mm-hmm. indeed. Uh, but it was all about the money. So, you know, for every moolah that said no, you know, how many women said yes yep. to this? So, mm-hmm. uh, And it would be in 1956 where moolah would win the NWA Women's Championship and thus begin her uh, seemingly endless reign of almost 30 years as champion. Yeah. Although she did drop the title twice in that first 20-year span, only to win it right back in quick fashion both times. And Mula, very important here, is Mula. actually... Mula. Let <coughs> <coughs> me take a sip of my beer. Yeah, clear that out, babe. There you go. That's better. It's been over a month. Drinking sorry. winter beers in 80-degree weather in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mula is actually recognized as being the first woman to wrestle a match in New York City at Madison Square Garden, which happened in 1972. Prior to this... Mula actually spearheaded the movement to overturn the ban that existed on women's wrestling in the state of New York, which was actually lifted mere weeks before Mula's debut in the Garden. So, little footnote in history, but super, super important. Yeah. uh, Considering that that would be where McMahon and WWE would get their foothold, Mm -hmm. not another decade later. Uh, So dominant in her championship reigns uh, was Mula that she actually purchased the rights to the title. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? In the late 1970s with her own money. 
gosh. Crazy. So now we get into the 80s, and we're at the point where Vince McMahon Jr. has purchased all of his competing territories, and Moolah would end up selling the rights to the championship to Vince and go to work exclusively for him in New York. And this is important on many different levels, Mm -hmm. uh, because if you remember... And we'll get into a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, Moolah was the only name in the game at the time when it came to booking women. Yes. Uh, after Billy Wolf, Moolah kind of took over the reins of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she booked the women, she trained the women, she paid the women. Uh, so as big as that was that she went to work for Vince and gave him an established female face and name for his fledgling nationwide wrestling company now. Yeah. Uh, there were a lot of female wrestlers because of Moolah doing this that were out of a gig. That's right. They had nowhere to train unless Vince wanted them to come in and train. Mm-hmm. So. This is where we start to see the formation of a perfect storm, if you will. So Wendy Richter, a young female wrestler, Moolah's best student, was seen as the heir apparent to Moolah. At the time, Vince McMahon was looking to push women's wrestling, and many would say that Wendy was being pushed as the female Hulk Hogan. Which is kind of fucked up to say now, because you wouldn't say that now. You wouldn't say, like, she's the female Stone Cold. You would just say she's who she is. I think back then you did, because there wasn't very much representation. It's just amazing just seeing the dichotomy of, like, different things, different times. Yeah. Um... MTV was still fledgling, and WWE started a deal and storyline with Cindy Lauper, believe it or not, who was the hottest, hottest acts of all time. Cindy... At the time. Yeah. Cindy would accompany Wendy to the ring during her matches, and it catapulted Wendy to become one of the hottest acts of all time. Imagine Cindy Lauper is what helps to push you to become a face of a well, that's why, <laughs> of a brand. That's why you said it best at the uh, beginning. It was the perfect storm of everything. Uh-huh. You had MTV. You had the hottest star on MTV. Mm-hmm. You had a young, beautiful, talented, professional wrestler who they wanted to push and yeah. be the new face of the division. And it all came together. Mm-hmm. So Cindy Lauper, no, <laughs> this would have... Uh, culminate in Richter winning the title for Moolah at the Brawl to End It All, which was broadcast on MTV. Yes, big there. Mm-hmm. At the time, it was one of the most watched wrestling matches of all time and catapulted Richter straight to the top. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, we'll see that this didn't last long. Mm-hmm. Not long at all. Uh, so as Richter's reign continued, the relationship between WWE and her began to sour. Now, there are many mixed reports about this, people that were there, people that weren't there, journalists. Um, but apparently it was a dispute over money mm-hmm. and contract, which we will discuss. Uh, however, let's move right now to November of 1985 and a match between Ren- Wendy Richter and dun, 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 the Spider, Spider Lady. Lady. <laughs> <laughs> so in a controversial match, uh, dubbed the original screw job mm-hmm. uh, the spider lady pinned Richter as the referee continued to count to three even though Richter kicked out Richter went to unmask the spider lady and, and it, it was, was bum 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 moolah moolah uh, different reports again varying that the original person that was supposed to be Spider Lady was bought out so that Moolah could actually don the mask because as part of the screw job they felt that you know if things went to shit and Richter got you know wanted to fight her legitimately that Moolah can handle her mm-hmm. more than maybe everybody else. Oh so Richter would actually leave the building in her wrestling gear right from the ring and never return to WWE, not talking to anyone, not saying goodbye to anybody. Mm-hmm. 
Some say Richter agreed to drop the belt, while many say she was pissed over money and was leaving the company anyway, and WWE wanted to have the last laugh, mm. which they certainly did, I think. Yeah. Uh, either way, a controversial moment in wrestling history. Um, and, you know, this lends to the idea, which we'll touch on later, about how this may, and I kind of agree with this, uh, have stymied women's wrestling for two decades after this happened. I, I agree. Yeah. She kind of... Been, Created a monopoly of it, and it wasn't yeah, it, available it's just, to anybody else. Yeah, and like I said, we'll talk about it in our in our free discussion, um, how it set everything back. Um, but uh, anyway, we continue. So after being out of the ring for the better part of a decade, Moolah would be induct- inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 1995 and return with female legend Mae Young. To be a staple of the Attitude Era, believe it or not, from 1998 to 2003. She and May would participate in several gimmick matches during this time, usually as a comic relief, but take some serious bumps along the way. Which, at the age of 75 plus, yeah, 75, taking bumps is almost unfathomable. Yes, and this is an era of wrestling that I lived through, and Mm -hmm. I remember all of this happening. So, when I say serious bumps, I don't mean a... Uh, a fake punch or a fake kick. I'm yeah. talking about like going through tables yeah. and taking chair shots to the head unprotected. Mm-hmm. Those kind of bumps. Yes. Me, grandma kicking ass yes. through the tables mm-hmm. and and take an RKO from Randy Orton at age 80. Hello. Um. Anyway, so she also, when she was about 75, she would hold the women's title again at the time, becoming the oldest acting champion in wrestling history. And I think she still holds that record. Uh, Yeah, no one older has won a title since then, I don't think. Yeah. Um, Of course, um, you know, time takes its toll. And unfortunately, Moolah passed away at the age of 84 in November of 2007. Yes. Uh, And obviously, as much as she was known for her in-ring career... Yeah. Uh, She is just as well known for her training and promoting of female wrestling. Mm -hmm. In the late 1950s, when uh, Billy Wolf, Mr. Douche, as we talked about, uh, the dominant promoter of women's wrestling, went out of business. Wonder why. Mueller and then her then-husband, Buddy Lee, began to book book their female wrestlers for more and more shows. They actually began calling their promoting business Girl Wrestling Enterprises, (laughs) GWE. And Moolah was a tough cookie. Uh, anyone that yes. worked for her, worked with her, would say that. Um, that she demanded a lot from the girls. Uh, they had to keep their hair and makeup done all at all times, act like a lady always. Act like a quote-unquote lady. A quote-unquote lady. Okay, now we have to put the quotes around it, but yeah. And not date men who were in the professional wrestling business, keeping mm-hmm. it completely 100% professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to women, Moolah also trained midget professional wrestlers. Uh, including Katie Glass in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. Mula then founded the Ladies International Wrestling Association, which was a nonprofit organization to help retire professional wrestlers. This was in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So she's still active at this time, yeah. but she's doing this for retired professional wrestlers. In the 90s now, we're shifting decades, she spent most of her time actually uh, training female wrestlers at her school in Columbia, South Carolina. And at this time, she also began training men a lot. Um, and in 1995, she trained more men than women. Interesting, right? Yes, that is very interesting. Mm-hmm. And now come the controversies. Uh, you know, our title of our show is called The Tale of Two Moolahs. Mm-hmm. So here we go. Um, 
of course, all these came out after the passing of Moolah. Yep. Um, journalist Dave Meltzer wrote an obituary for Moolah in which he stated that, quote, different performers had very different ideas of what being professional meant. Wrestling historian Tom Hornbaker said that Moolah chose not to break the dishonest, greedy practices established by her mentor, Billy Wolf. Pat LaPrade and Dan Murphy, in their book, Sisterhood of the Squared Circle, wrote that Moolah's tactics could just as uh, could be just as ruthless and cutthroat as those of the godfather, Don Corleone. Both Wendy Richter and Mad Maxine claimed that Moolah did not actually train the wrestlers at her wrestling school. Mm. According to Richter, Moolah accepted payment of the training fee, which at the time of Richter's training was 500 books. And That's a lot of money back then. Yes, it was. And had other female wrestlers within her camp, including Leilani Ka, Judy Martin... Winona Littlehart and Joyce Gable trained the new recruits. Um, these women did not get paid for their additional work as trainers. That's kind of interesting there. Yeah. I mean, I get, like, you can't sit there and train everybody, but the people that are assisting you in training should get their money. That's true. I mean, this is based on the claim that she didn't actually train the wrestlers, that mm-hmm. the other wrestlers trained the other wrestlers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if that's the case, if this is true, then, yeah, they should have been paid for that. Richter also claimed that Moolah required all women that received training at her camp to sign a contract that allowed Moolah to function as their booker and receive 25% of their booking fees. Which is a high number, but it's not astronomical. It's not astronomical. Yeah. Trainees were also allegedly required to rent duplex apartments on Moolah's property, and they were responsible for paying her for rent and utilities. So it's kind of starting to adding up. They're paying for rent. They're paying utilities. They're getting their fees. Um, yeah. So the training lasted six months and took place up to five hours per day inside of a wrestling ring in a barn that lacked heating and air conditioning or fans. Mad Maxine said that due to owing Moolah both rent and training fees amounting to 1500 bucks, the trainees went into debt to Moolah and controlled their lives. It was an environment for ripe for abuse. Um, that's according to Maxine. So Maxine also said that she went into work for WWF. Moolah was taking at least half of Maxine's earnings. Which I find odd because it has been said that once she went to work for Vince, that none of these practices took place mm-hmm. anymore. Yep. Supposedly. Yes. Debbie Johnson, another former trainee of Moolah's, stated that she was required um, to give Moolah 30% of her booking fee and her paycheck was further reduced as Moolah deducted travel expenses, food, rent, and utilities before paying her. And as a result of that, Johnson worked for Ellison um, Moolah sorry, for two years before she received any money. Two years! Two years! Johnson also stated that Moolah would refuse to book certain women in her training camp if they angered her and that Moolah monitored her and refused to let her leave the physical constraints of the camp unless she was accompanied by someone else like a toddler. And we continue. Over the years, female wrestlers have come forward with stories accusing Moolah of being a, quote, pimp pimp who often provided various wrestling promoters with unsuspecting female wrestlers that would be used as sex objects penny banner described uh, directly described moolah as a pimp who quote in return for money 
rented her female trainees out in bulk to wrestling promoters so that the promoters and the male wrestlers could have sex with them. Mm. Banner said the women who were sent out on these tours were not told of this arrangement ahead of time and that those who refused to have sex with wrestlers and promoters were raped. One of the most notorious accusations is from the family of Sweet George Brown, Susie Mae McCoy, who was trained by Mula and her husband, Buddy Lee. The Columbia Free Times reported allegations made by her daughter in 2006, which uh, she said her mother told her that she was often raped, given drugs, and made an addict in an intentional attempt by Mula and Lee to control her. In a 2002 interview, Luna Vachon claimed that when she was 16 years old and training at Mula's camp, Mula sent her out of the state to be photographed by an older man. Although she remained clothed during the photo shoot, Vachon stated that she felt taken advantage of by Mula and the older man. Vachon also stated that her aunt, Vivian Vachon, witnessed Mula abusing alcohol and having sex with her female trainees. Wow. So there's a lot to unpack yeah. here, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, and to reiterate again, a lot of this stuff came out after Moolah died. Yeah. Um, you know, there seems to be an equal number of people on both sides, mm-hmm. I would say. Uh, but wow, I mean, that's that's just a lot. That's a lot to unpack. It is. Um, so, you know, as we mentioned previously, she was... Mula was accused, you know, along with all of the things that Jennifer mentioned, um, you know, firsthand accounts from these women that trained with Mula. Uh, she was accused of manipulating the very fabric of women's wrestling. Mm-hmm. She would uh, allegedly sabotage up-and-comers, women who might have catapulted women's wrestling into the 90s and continue the boom. And as we saw, there is evidence for this, being yeah. the screw job over Wendy Richter in 1985. Which I feel, and I think Jen agrees, set women's wrestling back about 20 yeah, years. Yeah, women's wrestling was dead in the water. Yeah, so I, even in that 20-year period, what did we have in the late 90s? We had mud wrestling matches and bra and panty matches mm-hmm. and tits and ass. That's yeah. what we had. Yep. Uh, and it wasn't until like 2004, 2005 that they started to get the recognition that should have continued in 1985 up yeah. until that point, but was dead and buried in the water. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, for, you know, whether this stuff is true or not, we don't know. Maybe we'll never know exactly. Mm-hmm. But I think we can all agree that I think her wanting to be the woman uh, stymied other other people, yeah. unfortunately. Uh, you know, and despite all this bad stuff, several former co-workers, you know, male and female, like I've spoken out in Mula's defense, including wrestlers she trained and many of her male co-workers uh, throughout the years, uh, at the time of her death, uh, there was a great article in the Baltimore Sun uh, written by Kevin Eck who said that the Fabulous Moolah didn't just dominate women's wrestling for parts of four decades. She was women's wrestling. Moolah is unquestionably the most influential and famous female wrestler in history. Uh, Dave Meltzer from Wrestling Observer described that women's wrestling went way, way down, uh, quote-unquote way, way down under Moolah's tutelage. But he also said that he did not know if it was her fault. Meltzer said that although women used to headline and they were successful during the period Moolah controlled women's wrestling, the popularity and product didn't evolve. Mm-hmm. Uh, Meltzer also noted that Moolah herself stood the test of time to remain culturally relevant long after the Japanese female wrestlers of the 80s who were more popular at the time had faded from relevance. 
did she stand the test of time because people liked her? Or did she stand the test of time because she put other people down? That's the question, obviously, that we need to answer. Right. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, even up until last year, controversy still followed uh, when WWE had to rename the Fabulous yeah. Moolah Battle Royal at WrestleMania to simply the Women's Battle Royal after internet backlash from fans over Moolah's alleged past. Um, so, yeah. Unpack it for me. Tell me what you think. <sighs> okay. I, I'm really... I'm not going to say that I'm torn. I know how I feel about Mula. I think that she came about during a really... Maybe she had a rough childhood, rough time, her mother passing. Um, I think that the douchebag wolf we discussed in the beginning maybe influenced how she should run a business, allegedly. I mean, but... I mean, all of these accusations, if they're true, it's its disgusting and it's awful. And it's terrible. Whether it was just a, a few girls, I mean, one is enough. I mean, it, it's gross. And if that's the case, then uh, she's, I don't know, she's not a good person. If, all right, and I'm going to ask you a question and I'm going to steal a line from another podcast that recently just covered this. Okay. Um do you think some of this, um, you think some of it's sour grapes? Do you think it's oh, it's a collection of um, women who were kept down by her, who had the talent, maybe more talent than she did, but they just... She kind of stifled she, them. She had the system, and maybe she didn't purposely keep them down, but they felt that way, and, and then kind of, instead of just kind of grinning and bearing it, working harder, maybe they were just pointing fingers now that, you know, she's gone and it's easier to do. In this culture we have now of, you know, canceling, the cancel culture, if you will, where, you know, you have to just tear everybody down. Like, could that right. be part of it? Um, um, I mean, I don't, I don't think by saying that I'm taking away any credence to some of these stories. Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone else out there to think that. Right. Um, you know, obviously, you know, these women went through something mm-hmm. that, you know, had have stayed with them all these years. Mm-hmm. To what extent? We don't know. Um, so do you think some of it's sour grapes or no? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. I really don't. Like, she she was an icon for women's wrestling for a while. She was was women's wrestling, as you said, for a while. But the accusations are pretty fucked up. They are. And that's I mean, why you can't... Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's why we take them... We, we take them... That's why we're having this conversation. Yeah, exactly. Because of that. Yeah. So, um, you know, and I'm not... I'm not one of those people who will sit here and say that you have to just scrub an entire history and impact that somebody had because of of who they were mm-hmm. in life, uh, even if it comes out later after their death, like the whole Hulk Hogan thing. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, he got raked over the coals for it, and he apologized. And it's like, you know, are we going to take him out of the Hall of Fame for that? Are we going to bury his name and never mention him again? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm not for that. It's like... Um, and, not, and even one of her accusers, uh, Mula's accusers, Princess Victoria, who was a, a trainee of Mula, she had a great quote from a documentary that I have written here. And she says, uh, if I choose not to like her because of what she did to me, that's fine. But Mula needs to be remembered. She was an icon in this business. You can't take away her history because she was an asshole. End quote. 
Yeah, but if she's the one manipulating the system and has the system by the balls for women's wrestling, I mean, then you could take it away from her. So I'm sorry, Princess Victoria, but I disagree. That's true. But I, I feel funny talking about a dead lady. It makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, these things that she was accused of are fucked up. Yeah, and I mean, and I think at the juxt- uh, at, at the, the heart of this is that these women were subject to things that they had no... Um, they weren't aware that were going to happen to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the financial stuff, I think uh, you have to take that with a grain of salt because mm-hmm. I think that these women still had to sign contracts yes. that were laid out. Yes. Um, and I know that Moolah being a shrewd businesswoman, and she was a shrewd businesswoman. Everyone will say that. She yeah. stuck to her guns. Um, and she was a no-nonsense kind of a yeah, person. Yeah, in a, in, a, in a business that was male-dominated, you have, she had to be that way ten yeah. times over. Um Maybe she worded some contracts where, you know, some of these girls who may not have been educated in the process, mm-hmm. you know, had signed it without even actually reading it. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But, you know, taking a fee from a wrestler is, wasn't something at the time that it's was It's not foreign. damning, right? It's not damning. Um, right. But, you know, that being said, we'll never know the truth. We'll never know. We'll never know the truth. Uh, do I think that... Her impact on the business should be tarnished? No, I don't. I think that she has to be recognized for what she did um, to put women's wrestling at the forefront. Yeah, and then she murdered the most, it. During the most difficult time. She stymied it. She did stymie it, yes. But look at where we are now, too. But you can't give notoriety to someone who, like... Bought the the rights to a title and, and things like but, that, you know. But they and many people would say, many people have come out and said that she protected women's wrestling, that she protected it. She felt the need to protect it, and that was why she did what she did in the eighties. That she felt the need to protect okay. it, mm-hmm. um, keep it her own. Call it selfishness, call it what you will. Mm-hmm. But again, there's two sides to every coin. There's two tails to everybody every, mm-hmm. to all of this. Um, so some people say she protected it. Some people say she stymied it. Mm-hmm. Uh, would it have phys- maybe fizzled out on, on its own in the 90s if it kept going? Possibly. Who knows? Maybe it would have gotten too big for its britches. Maybe people would have lost interest. As soon as the MTV thing ended, mm-hmm. who knows? It could have died. Yeah. We, we're never going to know. But we had to tackle this because it's a, very, it's a controversial topic. She has become a controversial figure. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would make for great discussion. It is. And clearly we don't agree on some well, things. We do not. Yeah, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But uh, any final thoughts, though, on Moolah or on this discussion? And you can just lace me as much as you want. Uh, if you want. I'm I'll, not discounting anything. I'll lace you that, up later, babe. Don't oh, worry about baby. that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not discounting anything these women say. Mm-hmm. Um I'm just saying that, you know, when you dig a little bit below the surface, some of the stuff doesn't make any, doesn't make a lot of sense. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Um, I agree. I think that Mula got people talking about female wrestling. Uh, people were tuning in to watch female wrestling, to watch Mula. And the little people wrestle. <laughs> I don't like that you called them midget wrestlers, oh, but I know that's, that's what they, that's what they were called. Yeah. I know. Um, I know. Um, and I mean, that that's all well and good, but I don't know if, 
I just don't know because I feel like if you're the one, if you're the Wizard of Oz behind the the, the curtain pulling the strings, I mean, of course you're going to be the top dog because you're the one running it. Mm. And of course, all every, all the other stuff, you know, of course, all the allegations that Matt and I discussed are are, are disgusting and deplorable. And if, and that if, they're, stuff and they're, if they are true, then no, absolutely. She's, she's, I mean, you know, and no. if that stuff did happen, I. I I mean, I don't think it happened after she went to WWF because I couldn't see Vince standing up for stuff like that unless he was doing it under her nose. But at that time, he was the boss and he was controlled of the game. Yeah. But, I mean, mean, who knows? Who knows? It's just such a great topic to talk about. And it's just a hot-button thing that Mm -hmm. I was dying to discuss um, because, you know, whatever she did, however many people fucking hated her. Yeah. Um, you can't discount what she did. So at the time she did it. Unless you discount what she did, like I am. No, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about just what she did for women's wrestling at the beginning in the 50s when there was no women wrestling. All right. There was nobody wrestling. Okay. And she put everything on the map. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So very broad, yes, but. I call her the not so fabulous moolah. No. Well, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd love to hear what our listeners. I wouldn't. Think. I'm not discounting that any of this stuff may have happened mm-hmm. to these women. Right. Um, was it something that was directly come that came directly down from Mula saying okay. you need to do this or you're going to be out on the street? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. That's I don't right. Know. We don't know that. We don't, we don't know. know that. Yeah. So fabulous Mula, the wrestler, taking away all of the extra stuff, just her wrestling. What do you think? She's on Mount Rushmore. Okay. And that's it. That is it. Mm-hmm. We did it again. So I think this this might be worth, this one might be worth a part two at some point. Yeah, maybe we can grab Chris Reiner, another for, uh, WWE fan. Yes, now member of the network. Yes, so, absolutely. So welcome to uh, Spirit of Rock Podcast Network. Chris Reiner, Sasha particles collide mm-hmm. we love them yes. so much check out their first show which is now available for download mm-hmm. uh very good stuff so that's a little shout out there a little side but yeah i would yes. love to get chris on here to talk about this mm-hmm. um get a little third party insight to it as well maybe sailor who knows mm-hmm. 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 well as always that was an amazing discussion yes sir join us next time for a brand new episode of wrestling with respect of course, you can find us on Instagram at Wrestling with Respect and at Spirit of Rock Podcast Network, home of the Metal Rock and Whiskey Podcast and the Pretty Good for a Girl Podcast. You can find me individually on the Instagram at the Whiskey Obsessor. That is Whiskey Save the E. Jenny, where can they find you? Um, you can find me at Rumderwoman247. All right, my little Tukey Doos. Oh, wait. That was give, a lot of fun. Yes, Tukey Doos. Yeah. I got to give shout-outs before we get out of here. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. We got to thank the people that make this happen. That's so, right. Uh, again, we got to thank our friend Ed for letting, and uh, Bullets Fall for letting us use their uh, song, I Stand Tall, mm-hmm. which you heard at the beginning and the end of the show. You can find them on SoundCloud. Very cool stuff. I have to thank Keith from at Keith's Artwork for giving us, again, that badass logo that you see on the thumbnail. And as always, thank you to our network, the Spirit of Rock Podcast Network, for uh, letting us have this little wrestling wrestling show in the midst of all their cool whiskey and rock stuff. Goddamn so, right. Yep. 
So that is it. Thank That's you, it. everyone. Um, thanks, guys, and we will have a new topic soon next time. And until then, yeah, tap in out. Later. <laughs> <laughs>